Welcome to the Naked Wellness Podcast. As a qualified nutritionist, I'm here to strip away the nonsense and get down to the bare essentials of nutrition and wellness. Join us as we debunk myths, chat with top-notch experts, and serve up practical tips that will leave you feeling empowered. Get ready to uncover the naked truth about living your healthiest life. Let's undress. Welcome back to the Naked Wellness Podcast. Today I have a very special guest with me. I have Jackie Hackett. Jackie is a dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor, and a certified personal trainer. And Jackie helps others to find their health through a very holistic approach. She teaches people all about intuitive eating, the mindset around it, and just finding that food freedom and letting go of diet culture, which as you know, aligns very much with my own personal journey, my business and what I do helping so many other amazing women as well. So welcome, Jackie. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here. Did you want to start off with telling us a little bit about yourself, you know, your own journey, if you've been on one, what got you into this area of the intuitive eating? Yeah, I I think like many other dietitians, uh, we come from a place of some sort of disordered eating and eating disorder. Um, I don't remember the statistic right now off the top of my head, but it's pretty high, like 30 to 40%. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up an athlete in college. I stopped playing sports. I started to gain weight and have a bunch of gut health issues, mental health issues. No doctors really could help me. You know, here's a pill. Didn't really have some great recommendations. So I started to look into nutrition and never once thought about the fact that the food that we eat can impact how we feel and how we think and how we sleep and, and so much more. Um, but then I, I, do, I dove pretty deep into the nutrition to the point that I developed disordered eating um, throughout college, which I didn't realize until graduate school when I was getting my master's in nutrition that I did have disordered eating all those years. Um, it was like over-exercising, not recovering properly, feeling fatigued, tired all the time but yet still hating my body. Um, even though I do have thin privilege, you know, from the outside looking in, I, I fit the societal ideal, um, but that wasn't the case of what was going on inside. Um, so that really was my journey. And through that, I discovered intuitive eating. I discovered just mindfulness, mindfulness-based practices, meditation, um, definitely went to therapy for some time as well, which I think is so important. Um, and then just healed my relationship with my body and food um, throughout that. Being a personal trainer as well, um, that was a journey in itself. My body had its own issues. Um, I'm hypermobile. I had sciatica, so really bad back pain for about two years, and I had to learn all sorts of ways to cope with that, um, both mentally, physically, and emotionally, um, and I took from that uh, just all my experiences and education and courses, and I've built the program that I now teach and, and sell to my clients and, and work with, so it's, I relate to my clients because I've been them, I've been there. I've been through that journey and now it's how can I give back and connect with as, as many women as possible. 
I love that journey that you've been on and the fact that you have been on both ends, right? Like you've been in that disordered eating realm and now you're out on the other side and you're like, this this is what we all get to experience and you're using that power to now help so many other amazing women. And I think it's really, really powerful that you touched on the fact that, you know, you did have, we do have thin privilege in the sense of your body fits the societal norms, yet you were still struggling. And this just highlights that when it comes to disordered eating, you don't have to look a certain way like anyone can actually be struggling and just because their body fits those societal norms doesn't mean that you they're not actually struggling and i think that's really really powerful because we also definitely live in a society where it's almost like you have to look a certain way to get help and that's just not the yeah. case yeah absolutely and and on the, the opposite side of that so many people in larger bodies actually do have anorexia and binge eating disorder and like you're saying, they don't get the treatment, they don't even get the chance to be considered um, as having that as a diagnosis by doctors, because they think, oh, you have to be, you know, less than 18.5 BMI to have anorexia, which is so, so not the case. Yeah, 100%. Nah. And so let's start off with diving into like, what even is intuitive eating? Because I know that it is a term that can be thrown around a lot. And I feel like it's, it's, gone through a couple of phases where it was a little bit of a hype for a period of time and now I feel like it's definitely shifting more into that this is actually a lifestyle that you can live but for so many people there is a bit of a fear around it or a bit of confusion around what it even is intuitive eating yeah definitely so it's it's a self-care framework really and and philosophy um, based on 10 principles that um, these two researchers uh, one's a dietitian created and it focuses on rejecting diet culture. So um, for those listeners who may not know what is diet culture, just in a nutshell, it's, well, the diet industry is a $72 billion industry, at least here in the US. Um, I know you're, you're abroad, but it's, it's those beauty standards, it's the pills, the supplements, the shakes, the, the diets, all of those things is diet culture. So we first have to reject that, which mm -hmm. is really going against the grain. You know, we're surrounded by it all day long in magazines and everything. Um, so it's rejecting that. It's it's getting rid of the guilt and shame around food, right? So we call it making peace with food, meaning that all foods fit, right? Foods do not have morals. They don't. There's no morality around food. Um, making peace with your body as well. So it's finding that like listening to your body, learning to trust your body and knowing that once it takes time so that that's one of the later on steps, it's not just, oh yeah, I choose to do this and I'm gonna um, understand that, but it's eating mindfully, truly enjoying the food, feeling satisfied from the food, feeling your fullness, right? When am I, when am I actually full and stopping versus maybe you grew up with uh, clean your plate. So you don't have to clean your plate for you to be done with the meal. Um, and really just respecting your body, um, as well as nutrition. Nutrition is definitely important. So I think that's one thing that uh, people, I guess, a myth around intuitive eating. People think, oh, you just eat what you want when you want, and nutrition is out the door, and, and that's definitely not the case. Um, so that's, in a nutshell, a very simplified version of, of what intuitive eating is. Mm, so it's kind of looking at it from all these different areas of your life and looking at how you can learn to work with your body with your lifestyle rather than trying to morph yourself into 
some diet standards or some unrealistic way of living your life. It's more about learning how to, yeah, work with yourself because at the end of the day, everyone bodies are different everyone's life experiences previously different and everyone's lives at the moment are different as well and when you try and then actually morph yourself into let's take keto diet for an example and you feel really restricted mentally physically you feel like you think about food all the time you feel like energy levels are up and down like it's just it's doesn't feel like something that you can do forever guaranteed you're not going to do it forever and you're going to go back to exactly where you first started And this is where I guess like the intuitive eating is a completely different approach, right? It's more about what do you want your life to look like? What is actually sustainable, maintainable, achievable for you individually? And how can you make that work? So it's it's a much more individualized approach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You summed it up perfectly. And I think one of the the keywords you used is the sustainability, um, as well as the the individualism that Mm. we are all very unique individuals with different cultures, different upbringings, different environments, um, you know, the, the social determinants of health, it's what food do we have access to? How can we walk in our neighborhood? Is it safe? All of those things are factored into how, what does intuitive eating look like for you? And, and what does your own health look like, right? How are you defining health for yourself? Mm, absolutely. And so you mentioned that first off, you have to start to actually reject that diet culture, which is hard as we know because we live in a world where diets are absolutely everywhere and they're marketing and they're masking it completely different ways the these days so what are some like key diet culture red flags that people can look out for to actually identify what is a diet and what's not yeah oh wow there are a lot and they keep coming up (laughs) um but they're so weight watchers and noom for example are seen as diets but they so marketing teams, they understand now that people know the word diet and they're like, okay, oh yeah, diets are not good for me. People are starting to catch on to that part, right? Because we, we know that after the one-year mark and even the two-year mark, diets do not work, right? 99% of diets fail. So they're changing their marketing tactics and they're saying, oh, it's a lifestyle, um, which yes, we want to say intuitive feeding is a lifestyle, but when you hear those kind of marketing tactics, mm-hmm. like it's a lifestyle, um, or lose X amount of pounds in whatever number of weeks. That's also just unrealistic. Um, diets or trends that are eliminating entire food groups, the restriction, right? Restricting what time you eat, um, even like Whole30, it's placing morals on food. So anything that's putting a hierarchy, this food is better than that food. Um, and then really just a lot of MLMs, unfortunately, that have all the detoxes and the pills and the teas and the shakes, and mm-hmm. it goes on and on. Um, it's it's honestly becoming quite challenging to differentiate between is it healthy or is it orthorexia even, um, or is it, am I trying to do the right thing or is it diet culture? Um, because it's getting so intertwined these days. But those are some pretty common ones that I think stand out the most um, or yeah. I'd say even tick TikTok influencers or celebrities selling any sort of health promoting thing uh, um, definitely you know want to double check what are they selling and what is their intention absolutely and if it starts off with a body check or you can look like this by 
mm-hmm. eating this way, taking these supplements, et cetera, et cetera, like huge red flag because everyone's bodies are different. No matter if you eat the exact same amount as somebody else, you are still going yep. to look completely different because our bodies aren't meant to morph into looking like somebody else's. And I love that you touch on the lifestyle piece as well, because diets weight loss it's not actually even meant to be a lifestyle either like your body is not meant to be in a constant state of restriction deprivation it doesn't work like that your body is wired in a way that it will do anything and everything in its power to keep you alive to keep you functioning and to survive and as soon as it thinks that it's getting restricted energy intake it switches into that oh my goodness i need to actually now work out a way to get adequate fuel i'm going to make you think about food 24 7 i'm going to slow down all of you know your body functions like your metabolism digestion brain clarity all of that sort of stuff and yeah i personally worked at weight watchers for um a period mm. of time coming out of university and i saw all of this i saw the impact that it had i saw them try to rebrand into a completely different name wellness yep. at work which absolutely backfired for them as well but you know they are there they are trying to do anything and everything in their power to take a different approach to sound different to get people in unfortunately i also witnessed firsthand the detrimental impacts that this had on so many women their relationship with themselves their relationship with food they believed that their self-worth was wrapped up around that number on the scales around Mm. if they had had Mm -hmm. had these in quotation marks like good food or bad food because like you said food doesn't have a moral there is no inherently good food no inherently bad food it doesn't work like that you know i saw women in their 60s and 70s who couldn't actually live a life that they wanted to live they couldn't go on holidays enjoy their time they couldn't go out and socialize they they couldn't do the things that they wanted to do because their mind was so consumed around food and around their body weight shape and size and it was absolutely heartbreaking which is why i left that industry and that culture because i mean naturally when you are you are wrapped up in that it impacts you as well even when you try to put out walls and boundaries so i think it's so important that this type of conversation is opened more freely and, and more commonly because it is a little bit of a taboo topic right like you don't naturally sit down at the dinner table and ask everybody how's your relationship with food going you know where are you at diet culture is definitely a lot more accepted in the sense of people sit down and talk about what diet they're on um yeah and i think you know it's time that we start to actually change the conversation and change the messaging and just change the vision of what women believe uh, they have to do and, and how they can live their life because you don't have to live your life always jumping from diet to diet yeah absolutely um i think the key thing you said is what are you missing out on in life? And it's it's really sad. And I mean, I was there as well. I am going on vacation, going to Italy, France, not eating the things that I wanted because, you know, oh, it's not good for me or I'm going to gain weight and just missing out on life. And it's it's really sad that some people live their entire lives um, undergoing that and, and not realizing that there is another way. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing, a question that I always ask all of my clients is, you know, when you're 85 years old, looking back on your life, what do you think that you will have wished you spent more time doing? And what do you think you will have spent too much time worrying or stressing about? And same sort of thing, if you think about somebody making a speech about you at your funeral, what do you want to be remembered for? Because I guarantee Mm -hmm. that it doesn't come down to the way that you look or your body weight, shape or size or anything like that. You probably want to be remembered for, I don't know, being like the best mum that you can or being kind, loving, giving, whatever it is. Like you have so many values that actually have nothing to do with the way that you look. Because at the 
end of the day, like your looks are the least interesting thing about you. Yet we spend so much time like focusing on that one thing about ourselves, which is just taking away so much mental energy and space from all the other amazing things that we are. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I I was there and the amount of time you spend thinking about food and what are you going to eat and how, how many calories does it have or how is it going to affect me? And mm. it's so time consuming and, and all consuming that it, you don't have time to do the other things that you want to enjoy in life um, yeah. or spend time with friends, family, anything like that. 100%. And so you touched on earlier that, you know, for a lot of people, there's this fear of weight gain, right? And I don't know if anybody has watched the documentary called Embrace, but it literally, it's this documentary about um, why women think the way that they do about their bodies and why we mm. have this like innate fear of weight gain. And that comes down to how we've been raised, you know, society that we live in. Obviously, if you come from a family where you heard your parents commenting on other people's weight or you had teachers yeah. or, or sport coaches or things like that you internalize that and then that makes you think that if you gain weight people are going to talk about you too right and we definitely yep. live in this world where there's this fear but at the end of the day weight gain isn't the most awful thing for a lot of people obviously you know we're coming from a place of talking about weight gain in the sense of um, healing your relationship with food overcoming disordered eating all of that sort of stuff and i know for me personally on my journey I lost my period due to, you know, high stress, mm. exercise, food, all of that sort of stuff. So I had HA, which is hypothermic amenorrhea. For me, in order to regain my health, I actually had to gain weight. Like it was necessary. Yeah. If I did not gain weight and I ended up having to gain over 14 kilos for my body to be at that safe space to be like, okay, now we can get that menstrual cycle function again. We can get your body working again. If I didn't gain that weight, I, I, would have stayed in a very unhealthy body weight just unhealthy in general and for me health was one of my top priorities top values and it was really hard to go through that journey right because again we live in a society where that is deemed as a, as a bad thing to be gaining weight yet yep. it was absolutely necessary otherwise i wasn't going to live aligned to that value or priority of being that healthiest version of myself I know for so many people that this is something that they do fear, especially when it comes to intuitive eating, right? What if I introduce all these foods back in, I'm going to go, you know, out of control or I'm going to gain weight, what my body's going to change. How do you help people through that mindset barrier that they have around the fear of weight gain and wanting to start intuitive eating? Yeah, I, so it can be a very scary thing to feel like you're losing control is, is what I hear most people yeah. describe, you know, I'm so in control of, I know my calories or my points or the colors or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you're losing that control because you really don't know what's going to happen. Um, you may, I tell my clients at the very beginning, you may lose weight, your weight may remain the same, or you may gain weight, but we don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but first off, they have to accept and understand, like you're saying, weight does not equate to our health nor does it equate to our worth, nor does it equate to, to anything that's important. Even if, if the doctor's saying, well, your BMI is high. Well, let's take a look at, at everything else. What are your labs? What are your energy levels? You know, how active are you? How's your mental health? How are your relationships? That's health. Um, or there could be some other things and ways that uh, each individual may describe that, but our weight does not equate to our health. So that's a 
then that's a huge thing to get people to uh, reframe and, and change their mindset over. Um, but thinking about the whole health at every size movement um, and, and understanding that we can be in a larger body and still be healthy is, is really where we have to start. I could take time though, but I start there and just kind of planting the seed and, and helping them, you know, get those non-scale victories first. Um, and, and secondly, it's, you know, your body is going to end up at the weight that it is supposed to be at. Mm -hmm. If you start listening to your body, if you start nourishing it without that restriction, um, you will find that you're actually not going to binge because it's usually mental restriction that leads to binging. Um, so focusing on the behavior changes, right? Things that we can control because our weight, we cannot control our weight. We can't just say, Hey, I'm going to wake up and today I'm going to weigh five pounds less. Mm -hmm. We can't control that, but we can control what are we eating? How much are we eating? How are we eating? Are we restricting? How are we moving our body? All of those things we can control. And when we focus on that, we put that number on the scale aside and, and we can have all of those other wins and, and be satisfied with our success um, despite what that number on, on the scale shows. Yeah, um, yeah actually for myself, um, I, I don't usually weigh myself, but um, a company sent me a, a, like a body composition scale to just try out. And I was curious, I used to do bodybuilding. So I used to know, you know, my body fat percentage I said, hey, I'm just going to check it out just for fun. And I actually gained, uh, hard to say, you know, weight fluctuates, but between five and seven pounds from however long ago I weighed myself. And the old me would have freaked out, right? Like seven pounds is is a lot. Um, but I, I just kind of looked at the number and I said, huh, huh, okay, maybe some of that's muscle. And some of that is me traveling and being in Italy and being in Greece last year. And some of it is just living life. And some of it is me just getting older. And that's the reality that our bodies change. Um, so it's having that uh, reframe, I think, is is so important. Yeah, 100%. And a lot of the scales that people weigh themselves on, like, aren't the body composition scales, right? They give you that breakdown. And that one mm -hmm. number that you are seeing on that scale does not take into account muscle mass, fluid retention, mm -hmm. water weight. You know, have you been extra stressed lately? Have you not been to the toilet as regular? Have you had extra yeah. salt? Like, it doesn't give you any of this in-depth information. It's literally just a number. And when we attach so much of our self-worth to that number, we then let that, we basically are giving it all this control over how we want our day to look, our week to look. And I remember so clearly how many, you know, Weight Watch members would come in and you would ask them, how did your week go? And they would say, I will tell you after I've hopped on the scales, after I've weighed myself, mm -hmm. because that number then determined how the week was. Well, it, how they did. Yeah. Exactly. Because if that number went up, it was a terrible week. If that number went down, it was the, the most amazing week that they've ever had. And literally, giving that number that sort of control is real like it's, it's scary almost because there is so much more that goes on behind the scenes there is so much more that your body is actually doing for you every single day not just the way it looks and we overlook all of that right like your body has allowed you to do every single thing that you have done in your life so far and it's that saying of the the woman who has nothing always wants wants um sorry the woman who has everything 
always wants more and the woman who has nothing only ever wants one thing and this is us as humans especially when we live live in these worlds where we are privileged with so much is our bodies are showing up for us every single day and carrying us through this life that we have yet we want them to look this perfect body weight shape and size that we think is is perfect and at the end of the day there's never that perfect thing but for somebody who doesn't have legs to walk all they want is just two legs to get from A to B. They don't care what they look like. They just want them. And when we kind of come back to ourselves and and look at that and be like, well, yeah, my body is digesting all my food for me. It allows me to speak the truth. It allows me to kiss loved ones, hug loved ones, hear people, see people, work, travel, experience life. Yet the only thing I focus on is that I want it to look different. It just, it takes away from your ability to actually live the life and this is it like this is our one shot life we don't get a take two we don't get to come back and have another chance of this so you need to make sure that you actually learn to have that level of self-acceptance to achieve the things that you want to achieve in life yeah absolutely it's the grass is greener on the other side kind of uh, mentality which you know, actually, the last two weekends, I've had uh, friends comment or ask me if I like my freckles. So just mm. kind of not related to weight, but, you know, and yes. I never really thought about it before. But they were saying, well, you know, there's people who will like, you know, how there was the whole mole phase, people would draw, draw on the mole. Well, now people draw on freckles, or there's even like, I, I don't know, I don't wear my, much makeup. So I don't know what the beauty things are, the trends, but they're like, do you actually like your freckles? But, you know, I had to think about it. I was like, I never really thought about it before. But my my friend was saying, you should love and embrace your freckles because you have something that some other people truly want and you have it and embrace it. And and I, that stuck out to me as like, okay, I'm going to, when I look in the mirror now, I'm really going to say, I do love my freckles. Um, Cause that's, it's just, it's loving yourself. Oh, a hundred percent. And we're not all perfect and we all have, demons or things that we don't necessarily love about yourself and this is I always Mm -hmm. say to my clients you don't have to get to a point where you stand in front of the mirror and you're like wow I love every single part of me this is great yeah like unrealistic to think that you can have that level of self-love and maybe some people do cool that would be amazing (laughs) but it's, it's hard to come by absolutely but you can get to a point where even if you don't love it you still accept it and you're like okay it's it's okay because at the end of the day it's not impacting your day-to-day life and freckles is a huge one like I'm the exact same with my freckles like I went through my whole life like wishing that I didn't have them and now I got to a point where I'm like it is it is what it is like it's different to everybody else but it's actually okay to be different and to accept that in that sense yeah absolutely when it comes to intuitive eating a lot of it is also letting go of those food rules and those food rules could stem from you know any point in your life right like if you've again been brought up in like you mentioned earlier a family where it was clean the plate type of method you might have a rule that you now have to eat everything on the plate maybe it's a rule that has been picked up through doing a diet like restricting carbohydrates or counting calories or only eating at certain times these rules obviously then impact day-to-day life impact your ability to listen to your body and actually respect what it wants when it wants I know for a lot of people, like you mentioned earlier, that control piece, right? Like around intuitive eating, when I start intuitive eating, I'm going to let go of the control. What happens then? Like unlearning all of these food rules. It can be scary. It can be really daunting as humans. We obviously love that control. So what are your tips? Like, how do you help your clients actually start to let go of these food rules that they have? 
Yeah, I think first off is is identifying, do they have awareness of, of what they are? Like, are they identifying that, hey, I have a food rule? Because mm-hmm. um, oftentimes I see people, that that's just how they, they like, oh, well, that's how I was raised. That's what I was taught. Um, like the clean your plate example, mm-hmm. or I had a client who um, one of their roommates was just trying to eat healthier and, you know, wouldn't eat past seven o'clock or there were so there's so many things, but they just adopted that without even really thinking about it. Like, oh yeah, well, we just never ate after seven. So I think it's a bad thing. So helping them first identify and see like, okay, do you see how this could be damaging or negative um, or how it's limiting you? Um, and then being able to reframe and, and shift that thinking around the food rule to find food neutrality, because oftentimes the food rules are something along the lines of something is good versus bad. Um, something has to be restricted or you know everything in moderation um, kind of belief. So um, having that food neutrality where foods are just all even, um, I think is needs to be one of the, the first things that we work towards. Um, and it's also thinking about that that voice in your head, which could be, we call it like the food police, um, or it could be the voice in your head of your mom or your roommate, um, or, you know, just someone who said something negative to you. When that voice comes up, pause a moment and and realize, oh, hey, that voice is not me. That voice is not controlling me. That was then. This is now. I can now make my own decision in this moment, and I don't have to proceed or, or identify um, with that, uh, food rule. Um, so rejecting that diet culture, um, as a whole is, is also important, um, by realizing like, it's just not serving us. Um, so kind of take them through, essentially it's, those are the first few principles of intuitive eating to be able to let go of those food rules. Yeah. I love that. And it comes back to that. Our bodies are so much smarter than I think we actually ever give them credit for. And when you can learn how to work with your body rather than against it, it's going to give you all of these signs, right? Like it's going to tell you when you're hungry. It's going to tell you when you're full. It's going to tell you what you're craving. It, it's just, it's crazy that we also live in this world where we give this control to apps and all these other things to tell us what time to eat, when to eat, what to eat, how much to eat. Yet we're all different and we're also not robots. Like you are not actually programmed to eat the same amount every single day to eat, you know, at specific times every single day. Like every day is going to be so incredibly different. And it's almost like when you try and over control all of those areas, you end up more out of control in them. And Mm -hmm. I get the fear around intuitive eating because you feel like you have had that control. But honestly, like that intuitive eating, you, you actually end up, with more control in the long run because you don't binge eat you know how to work with your body you know it's just it changes the absolute game you're not controlled by these food rules anymore yeah and yeah like you you were saying you gain control in other ways like you gain control back of your time you gain control of what are you truly craving and what do you want to eat in the moment um control of like you can go out to any restaurant and not feel like oh i can't eat there um or even just passing or skipping you know hanging out with friends or going to certain places which I know I did I'd say no to oh you guys are going to dinner there I know there's nothing healthy there well that is kind of like losing your control because now you can't choose that you're going to go with them so um yeah I think you do gain control in, in a very different way 
um, that's not so obsessive and, and all consuming. It's more like go with the flow and, and being um, open to things. Yeah, 100%, which then allows you to literally just live your life and do all the other amazing things that you want to be doing. Yeah, all those hobbies and spend more time at work, maybe if that's <laughs> enjoy work or find another passion side project um, that with that time. Yeah, 100%. Now, one tricky topic of conversation, I think, is when people are talking about body image, they're talking about food comments, and you maybe experienced this as well. I know I definitely did being a qualified nutritionist of people have these ideas of how you should look or how you should eat, right? And even while studying, coming out of study, and even today, like I still get comments of, oh, well, you're a nutritionist, so you wouldn't eat that, or you shouldn't <laughs> eat that, or, you know, like these these ideas. And I know that like even us as, as dietitians and nutritionists, we get the comments, but also just general general populations and people get comments as well of that's too much, you know, wow, that plate is huge. Is that all you're eating today? Like all of these tiny little comments around food and then also the body image of like, wow, have you lost weight? Ooh, like clothes are like looking a little bit tighter. Very, all very, very unhelpful. And again, I think this is so important that we like loop back to what you mentioned at the start with your own journey personally of you had that that body that fit the societal norms yet you personally were struggling with everything and this is goes to show that you actually never know what is going on behind closed doors for anyone and those yeah. food comments that you make can literally impact someone so much and i know when i was in the depths of my eating dis, uh my disorder eating behaviors as well that those small comments that people would make of wow that plate is huge are you literally going to eat all of that or uh, that's nothing like maybe you need to eat more food even though they sound so harmless when you are in that headspace you internalize them to a whole nother level right yeah. and so I think it would be great if we can open up this conversation around tips and actually navigating your way through these comments that are made from other people around body image and around food yeah I think so much more education and awareness needs to be brought to light on this topic because oftentimes you know people there's so there's many many reasons as to why people make those comments but sometimes it's it's not meant to harm them in any way um like if someone is really truly commenting on someone's body like oh i think you look amazing but they didn't know hey maybe they were undergoing chemo or they mm -hmm. just lost their pet and they're grieving and they haven't eaten in a week that's what you're saying. We do not know what is going on in someone's life. Even some a close family member or, or friend, if they don't share with you what's going on, you don't know. Um, so I think the more we can educate our friends, our family, the people around us, and then it can spread and spread that it is just not helpful to comment on other people's bodies and to comment on other people's food choices. We like we can start making that the norm right how can it be the norm when you when you run into an old friend oh i love your hair or how have you been or what are you working on why does the the first comment have to be about their their body size um so starting there with that like awareness and and education um but then there's there's the other side of it is you know maybe people who are making those comments is because they have their own insecurities. Um, they have their own unresolved body issues. Um, so depending on your level of comfort with whoever that person is, you can approach it in, in a number of ways. 
Um, you can ask them if something is going on with them. You know, do you have something that you'd like to talk about um, if they're open to that? But I've seen, uh, I've even had one client who just, you know, they just excuse themselves from the conversation. Like if it does not serve them and if they know the person is not going to be willing to to have that open dialogue, like they're just going to leave the, leave the room or change the topic, you know, just kind of ignore the comment that was made. Um, but if you are able to have an open and honest conversation and you think the other person is willing to listen, um, you know, saying things like, you know, I'd really appreciate it if um, you didn't speak about people's bodies like you are. Um, I find it hurtful and, and quite offensive. And I think that can be very, very helpful because people don't know what they don't know. Exactly. And if they're not in this space and they don't understand, uh, you know, they genuinely weren't trying to cause harm. So how can we um, do our best? Um, but also it's sometimes it's not always up to us to have to educate like other people should be taking it upon themselves. So it's um, it's finding that balance and it's really up to the individual person of, you know, where are you at? Do you feel comfortable holding that space for the other person or not? Yeah, I think that all of that is so powerful and you're right. At the end of the day, we don't have that control over what people are, are going to say or going to do. And so if you can differ between whether you kind of like put a wall up to like deflect and be like, well, that's, you know, something that you need to personally work on, but I'm not actually going to take on or absorb any of those comments that you are, are having. And I think you can definitely get to a point in your journey where you back yourself 110% where you are like, you know, it is what it is and it doesn't mean that you're not going to internalize it but i find that especially for me if comments are still made like writing it down or, or journaling or, or get, get writing it into mm -hmm. the section of my phone so it's literally like out of my head onto the mm -hmm. paper or the mm -hmm. phone so you can look at it from a different perspective and be like cool like that's what they mentioned but i don't actually need to carry that around with me or like you said if you feel comfortable opening up that space to be like look this is actually really unhelpful for x y and z reasons um hopefully they're open enough to receiving that kind of um, information to adjust what yeah. they say, but you're so right. Like what you don't know, you don't know. And you get to choose whether you deflect or you um, approach it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like your other, other option of, of journaling about mm -hmm. it. Um, and, and kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of journaling in general, but um, it is, it is like a form of getting it out on paper so that it's not constantly um, cycling through your head. That could be helpful too. 100%. I would love to know what are some of the most common myths that you personally do hear about intuitive eating, about food freedom? Um, I think the one that I mentioned earlier is probably the number one mm. um, myth of, <clears throat> it's just a lack of understanding. They don't entirely know what it means, but they assume Oh, it just means you eat what you want when you want. So I can eat all the donuts that I can eat, all the pizza all the time and intuitive eating. There we go. Um, some others are that intuitive eating is another diet, mm -hmm. right? Oh, I eat what I want. And there are these principles and people see them as rules. They're principles and, and foundation, but they're not meant to be. Um, again, it's not about uh, confining you into those rules. Um Sometimes people think that, oh, I, I can do intuitive eating and I will lose weight. Um, that's that's also a myth or that it's, you know, I'm going to just do intuitive eating and I will lose weight. Um, I think another one is that it, intuitive eating doesn't care about nutrition, which it absolutely does. Principle number 10 is we call it gentle nutrition, 
where we are like studies and research show that people who eat intuitively actually do eat more fruits and vegetables um, and omega-3s and other you know variety of colors because we're using our senses to build our plate and we're getting the crunchy textures and the soft and the colors on our plate um, and it's a lot more enjoyable and satisfying so we really do care about nutrition um, it's definitely not not true um, and I think sometimes there's a little bit of confusion or overlap between intuitive eating and mindful eating that they're kind of the same um, and although mindful eating is I think a component of intuitive eating right it's it's in that moment mm -hmm. when you're eating using your five senses slowing down chewing your food well putting your fork down between bites um, so mindful eating is a component of intuitive eating but it's it's not um, just one and the same yeah those are, are probably the most common ones that I hear there, there are definitely others but I, I'd say those are the the top 100% they're ones that I hear all the time as well and you know I got a question the other day from someone even asking about well if I reintroduce all of these foods that I've been cutting out for so long and it was things like you know the chips the chocolate the ice cream whatever and what like am I just not going to end up eating more of these foods in the long run which is going to be more detrimental to my health right mm. and this is where we get to come back to exactly what you're saying is intuitive eating and, and food freedom it doesn't mean that it's just going to be a free-for-all in all of these type of foods. You actually, when you reintroduce everything, you end up having that control back over everything. You know how to work with your body. You know how to listen to it. You naturally gravitate towards eating in a way that feels really good for you individually, a way of yep. nourishment in the sense that you do get all of your nutrients from all of the different foods that you have. But you also are including all of these foods that are like your soul foods that mentally satisfy you and a, like food is meant to be a form of pleasure it is meant to be enjoyed mm -hmm. we live in a world where we get to socialize around food we get to, it brings people together it can be a form of love in that sense as well whether it's like giving or eating or whatever and that experience actually gets to be enjoyed it doesn't have to be stressful it doesn't have to be feared it doesn't have to over consume you you just get to live it enjoy it and move on with your life and that's what intuitive eating and food freedom is like you naturally gravitate towards nourishing your body in a way that feels good for you individually enjoying all of the food experiences that you get to um, experience and literally then just like living your life and moving on with no other feelings attached to it yeah absolutely it's it's not about perfection it's just finding that uh, and I hate even sometimes using the word like balance moderation mm -hmm. but for for lack of a better word it really is finding that like dynamic and fluid balance um, that we're prioritizing nutrition but we're also um, being gentle with ourselves that hey I can combine all of this my taste my pleasure my senses um, to get us to a place where we're not all consumed thinking about food yeah Absolutely. 100%. I love it. Now I do have some quick fire questions for you. Okay. What is one thing that you must do every morning to set your day up? Um, it's, I guess it's a tie. It's either meditate or do breath work or like combination mm. of the two, even if it's just for a minute. Yeah. I love it. It's resetting that central nervous system. What is one thing that everyone can do every day to improve their life? Um, I think practicing gratitude. Uh, yeah. So by just write down three things you're grateful for either in the morning or before going to bed. And it's, it really is truly life-changing. 
sometimes the most simple things are like the most effective and they're so overlooked like I feel like people search for something that's new sexy it's going to be a game changer it's like just take it back to basics like the simple things are proven to be the most impactful yeah definitely what is your favorite quote and why Uh, my favorite quote is uh, you always have now um I this the mindset shift for me about living more in the present moment and really helped me overcome my anxiety and mm-hmm. living in the future which which is what anxiety really is fear of the future of what's going to happen um so the book the power of now by by Eckhart Tolle really played a big role in this um and so my my friends and I kind of I don't know if any anyone famous created the quote you always have now but um that's just kind of what our, our, my friends and I say is just, you always have now, just be present, um, be here, enjoy the moment because nothing is promised. We don't know mm-hmm. if we have tomorrow. Mm-mm, 100%. I love that. Now, one question that I do love to ask all my podcast guests is in the distant future, when you're looking back at your life, what do you think will be your biggest achievement or one thing that you will actually be most proud of? And this could already be something that you have done, but it could also be something that you're hoping to do in the future. Yeah, so I haven't done it yet, but my biggest achievement will be um traveling the world and providing nutrition education um, and healthy foods to those in less fortunate countries oh wow oh my god that's so exciting how powerful is that that is yeah that is my dream and and my my future goal for sure incredible i absolutely love that did you want to tell the audience what you have coming up if anything exciting for them and where the listeners can go to find you yeah, just in my personal life, things coming up is just masterminds, new mastermind that I joined. I'll be in Chicago next month for that. And really main focus um, in my life right now is preparing for Burning Man at the end of August, which I'm super excited to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, you all can find me on my Instagram. It's Hackett Health, Hackett with yeah. two T's. Um, or even my website is just hackett.health. Perfect. Awesome. And I'll put those links in the show notes so the listeners have easy access to go and find you. But thank you so much, Jackie, for coming on and having this conversation. Like I I said earlier, I think this this topic, it it can be a little bit taboo sometimes. And the more that we can create that space and just open up the conversations and we are open and vulnerable about our own journeys that we have gone on, because there are a lot of women out there who are currently experiencing all of this and they're struggling in silence, which doesn't have to be the case there are people who can help you and guide you to get you to that place where you do have food freedom which is an absolute game changer for your entire life yeah that is the goal and you said it a couple of times but my my motto or my slogan of life is just live life to the fullest Um, and I think we need food freedom in order to do that so could not agree more I love it no thank you so much for everything that you have shared with us today amazing thank you for having me Honestly, this is one of my all-time favorite topics to chat about. I'm so passionate about it. And the conversation today with Jackie was just absolutely incredible. I would love to hear what one of your key takeaways from today's episode was. So just head over to my Instagram, which is KJ Wellness with three S's and send me a DM letting me know because yeah, such a powerful conversation and I would love to chat further and connect with you about it. Head over there. Let's start a conversation together. Otherwise, I will chat with you in the next episode very soon. Until then, you take care. Bye.